Thank you, brothers and sisters. You all are a blessing. If you have your Bibles, find your place in Isaiah 43. Good to see all of you tonight. May the Lord bless you. We continue to think about the glories of the Messiah as we make our way through uh, the book of Isaiah. What a what a these uh, this is a wonderful deep water in the book of Isaiah. So much of uh, the Holy Spirit took many of these words from, uh, from Isaiah and gave them again to uh, the Lord Jesus to speak and also to the apostles. So we find many things from <clears throat> the book of Isaiah in the New Testament. Tonight we have the opportunity to, uh, I just would say... Um, and I'll try my best to describe it, to be amazed by the eternal love of God for sinners. Um, these words are, um, these are promises for, you see, Israel, when these words are being preached by Isaiah, they're in a great place. They have money, they have wealth, they, they have their own kingdom, everything is good, but they are about to be uh, taken into Babylonian captivity. Hard days are ahead. They don't know about them. They're not listening. But these words are promises to them. Just like the Word of God is, is such a rich book of promises to us uh, and those prophetic promises about the Lord Jesus, first coming and second coming, mean so much to us. So we're going to read. We're only going to spend our time today on the first seven verses of Isaiah 43, because today we talk about this amazing truth of God redeeming us. We're going to talk about that great word, that good Bible word, redemption, being redeemed. So let's read together <clears throat> Isaiah 43, 1, But now, <clears throat> thus says the Lord, your Creator, O Jacob, <clears throat> that's sometimes what Israel was called, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place. Since you are precious in my sight, since you are honored and I love you, I will give other men in your place and other peoples in exchange <clears throat> for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and gather you from the west. And I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed even whom I have made. Heavenly Father, now bless the reading of Your Word. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
What an incredible thing. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. This is the same God who has spoken in the end of chapter 42 about the spiritual blindness and the spiritual deafness of God's people. Uh, we, we read all of that together. I would just bring you back to, you have your Bible there, Isaiah 42, 20. <clears throat> well, 19. Who is blind but my servant? Now this, he speaks about the, the servant, the Lord Jesus Christ in prophecy, but then he speaks about Israel as a servant because that's what they were to be. They were to serve God and they were to serve His purposes to share with the world the glory of God and of the coming Messiah. But they didn't do it. So he describes Israel. Who is blind but my servant, that is Israel, or so deaf as my messenger whom I send? Who is so blind as he that is at peace with me? Or so blind as the servant of the Lord? Here it is. Here's God's word to them. You have seen many things, but you do not observe them. Your ears are open, but none hears. This is the condition of Israel. They're not listening to God. They're not listening to the preachers, the prophets. They don't have anything to say. They're caught up in their own world thinking that nothing will ever change and they'll have no troubles. And yet trouble is coming. Trouble is coming and judgment is going to come again on them for this. But here we see all through this warning of judgment, there are these glimmers, these beautiful uh, pictures of the eternal love of God. He loves sinners. So maybe that makes John 3.16 more significant. What does it say? For God so loved the world. I think we, yes, I think we forget. For God so loved the world. Isn't that good, folks? God so Think about the absolute horrendous condition our world is in and the people in this world are in, the way they live, the way they... We've been talking about family life and all these family secrets. So many troubles, so many pains, so many... For God so loved the world. And so I want you to read with me again verse 1 because it is such a tremendous word to Israel. He ends chapter 42 by reminding them that they are so spiritually numb that nothing affects them. So he poured out on him the heat of his anger and the fierceness of the battle. And it set him aflame all around, yet he did not recognize it and it burned him, but he paid no attention. That is hard-heartedness. When sin hardens you where you don't ever feel, where you don't care if God is dealing with you, that's a terrible condition. But notice, 43.1 begins, but now. But now, though you're in this condition, though you, Israel, are, are spiritually blind, you're, you're spiritually deaf, you don't care about spiritual things, you're numb, your spiritual life is, is hardness and uh, disobedience, but now, thus says the Lord your God, Creator, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, the two names for Jacob, right? Jacob, the supplanter, the deceiver, the liar, and then Israel, the friend of God. 
This is such a beautiful picture of how God deals with all of us. He deals with us when we're Jacob's until we come to know Jesus Christ and experience becoming an Israel. He who formed you, remember, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. So here's the point. Don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. Don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. So this is a promise for Israel when they're in Babylon. When everything's gone, when they've lost everything, here's the promise of God. Don't fear, for I have redeemed you. Now, I'm looking around and uh, uh, most of us who are mature in here, do you remember, so, so my mother um, collected what were called in the place where I grew up, it may not have been where you all. Many of you've been lots of places, but my mother grew up. Uh, we we were we didn't have a lot of money, and so we were we tried to figure it out in every way we could to get by. And and uh, she collected S and H green stamps. Does anybody know what those are? Are they still in existence? Well, where where have y'all been? You liked them before. Why don't you do it now? And you know what you did. They were green, remember? And they had S and H on them. You have some in your purse, Carolyn? We'd have to show some of the young people what they even are. Okay, now look, she just preached the sermon for me. There's the whole point. However, here's the thing. So when I'm a kid, you know, she collected her books. Collect mom, put, you know, so my job, I got to lick the stamps. You know how it is. And you put them in the book and you... You know, you know, you put them in there, and you you build your books up, and there's a catalog. You know, I mean, it was all it was all paper, wasn't it? No, you all remember what Sears and Roebuck catalog? No, these kids wouldn't even know what that is. My point is, but then we went to the place, the Redemption Center. Remember that? Remember that? And you go in there. There's all kinds of stuff in there. So you. You know, she bought her groceries. I don't remember where we went to get her groceries, but wherever we got our groceries, there'd come all the stamps. You know, they'd come out of that machine. I was just a little kid, so they come out of the machine, and uh, and uh, so then you take them home, you put them in there, you look in the catalog, and you redeem. Carolyn just said it. You redeem with the stamps items that you want to have. Redemption. That's the best way to describe redemption I know. So the focal truth here is this, that God redeemed Israel. And because He... Re now this is, this is the point of what... This is the theological truth of redemption. What I'm going to drive home tonight is talk to you about what it means to be redeemed. It means that the one who redeems you, you belong to that person. See, this is so significant. That's why I put the focal truth there. God uh, redeems Israel and they belong to God. And Jesus redeems sinners. And those who believe in Him <clears throat> belong to Jesus. There's nothing more significant than being redeemed. To be, uh, to have purpose. To have um, <clears throat> meaning <clears throat> in our lives. I'm sorry. 
now that we're in the throes of springtime in February, I'm having allergies again. What is it about? I don't know. I, somebody knows a good allergy person, tell me. I, it won't help, but I, I apologize for my voice. It's always the same. So we see here God's making a promise to Israel they're going to need in the future. Here's the point. You're going to be, you're going to be under the control of Babylon, the greatest kingdom of the world at times, the greatest government, the greatest kingdom of the day, but I'm going to buy you back. That's what redemption is. It's an exchange in order to own something. That's what S&H green stamps were for. So do not fear, I have redeemed you. Notice those points I put under number one. God promises to save Israel from captivity um, like He saved Israel from Egypt. Now, <clears throat> we read, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. That's the language of redemption. I've redeemed you. I've called you and given you your name and you belong to me. So there's this great promise. You've seen this promise used and we, we quote it as Christians, but I want you to remember this is first spoken to Israel. This is what God was saying to the nation of Israel. He's saying through Isaiah what happened with Moses and the children of Israel long before. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And they were, weren't they? God was with the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. What a, what a great promise of protection and salvation. So just like the Red Sea, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Now we do love to take that truth because it's true for us, isn't it? We walk through the waters and guess what? What did the Lord Jesus say? I am with you always. I am with you always. So all of you, my friends, you know, we don't know what tomorrow we're going to face. We don't know the troubles we're going to have. Uh, but we know this. The Lord promised just before He ascended, I am with you always. Some of the last words of our Lord on the earth. So tonight, I, I speak to all of you, my brothers and sisters. Remember this. We've all been redeemed What's that? Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Remember that old song? Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. You know, we had all, all of our music directors, I was teasing Jeff about the Redeemed, you know, we'd hold redeemed, we'd sing it until we couldn't sing anymore and all the breath was out of us. Redeemed. I'm in a room full of people who've been redeemed. You have a new name, and God's called you by your new name. And you belong to Him, so listen, don't be afraid. This is the point. God will be present with Israel in all their troubles. And they're going to need this in Babylon. They're going to need this in Babylon. We live kind of like we're in a Babylon. We live in this world with all of its false promises and traps and tricks of the devil. He set traps everywhere. You know, he's the God of this world. The devil has traps everywhere and tricks everywhere. <clears throat> Up by my son's house, they've been having some coyote problems. So my grandson, they're setting some traps for the coyotes. 
And uh, I remember my old friends that were farmers in Oklahoma, when they shot a coyote, now this is just random information while we're on it, I'm just throwing it out here. It has nothing to do with the Bible study, but I'm here, so I might as well finish it. When they shot the coyote, they hung the coyote over the fence, dead. And you know what that was a message to, to other coyotes? If you come over here, you're going to be dead too. My point is to say, they were going to be in all kinds of trouble and our world is filled with all kinds of traps and difficulties that the devil puts in our way. But look at this. Here's what the God who loves us says. Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. Now it's going to get stronger. This is Israel's message. We're about to talk about the Lord Jesus, our Redeemer. Number two, God assures Israel that they belong to Him. I, I, want, to, I want to make this point because for some of us, you know, this is such a significant thing we forget about. Excuse me for all these quotes. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Did you see that in your hymn that I gave you? Is it on your paper there? I'm going to quote it now, not at the end. Even though I might at the end again. Jesus my Lord will love me forever. From Him no power of evil can sever. He gave His life to ransom my soul. Now I belong to Him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Once I was lost in sin's degradation, Jesus came down to bring me salvation, lifted me up from sorrow and shame. Now I belong to Him. Joy floods my soul, for Jesus has saved me, freed me from sin that long had enslaved me, his precious blood He gave to redeem. Now I belong to Him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Is that not a good song? If you know it, you might go home and sing it tonight before you go to bed. If you don't know it, Google it. Put it on your phone and let it play. There's nothing more reassuring than to know that we belong to God. You belong to the Lord. You know why? Because He redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Now if you look in Isaiah 43.21, I've given you the reference here. He speaks of, at the end of the next section, we'll get to later. The people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. The people whom I formed for myself. Look. You're now saved, and God formed you to accomplish His purposes. The other day I was in a Bible study with some of our men, and uh, most of them are older. And uh, I spoke to them about a very precious thing. Time. 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 So now that I belong to God, listen, glorify God in your body. Whatever time you have, you're redeemed. Now I belong to the Lord, so I say, not, hey Lord, this is what I'm going to do. I say, what do you want me to do in whatever condition I'm in? Third, God assures Israel not to fear because He is their Redeemer. Do not fear, for I'm with you. I will bring your offspring. This is 5 and 6. You can see it there. Do not fear. I will. Uh, by the way, do not fear, verse 1. 
Do not fear, verse 5, and I should take you back, uh, chapter 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. You mark it in your Bible. Do not, this is what God is saying to Israel. This is what the Lord Jesus said to us. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. What was it that the Lord had to do? Remember when he, when he was raised from the dead and the disciples and all of the women believers, they were all gathered in the room, locking the door, afraid of the Jews. And what did the Lord say? Every time He again came into the room, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. It is the great trouble of Christians to fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring... Notice this is a promise for the future. They hear these words from Isaiah and they think he's crazy. What do you mean bring our offspring from the east? We're all right here. But they won't be. And gather you from the west. In other words, I'm going to gather you all back. I'm going to restore Israel back to its land, but for a while you're going to be gone. I will say to the north, this is God's authority, give them up and to the south. Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. This is, this is important because, you see, sometimes we go through trouble and we say, why would God put me through this? The answer is He created us for His glory, even in our pain, even in our trouble. Don't be afraid. God assures Israel to remember He has called them to be His people. Verse 7, Everyone who is called by My name. You know, uh, we, do, we do spend time, uh, I was talking with some of our younger people about that one of them had named their children not long ago and it was they really how they worked and prayed about what they were going to call their children. You know, the importance of naming them because they belong to them. Parents, you name your children because they belong to you. God the Father has named us His children. And one of these days, I don't understand how it will be, but when we get to heaven, a new name. A new name for all of us. A new name that only we know. And He knows. That's a special thing. That's a, that's a sign of a special relationship. You know, it's just like you may have nicknames. You know how it is. Nobody understands it. Like mine's Q from all my grandkids. I'm not telling you why. Some of you ask all the time. I'm just Q. Q. This four-year-old. I don't even think he really knows my name. I'm just Q. The point is, those love names are significant between the, two, the, the, the people who are in that love relationship. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. That's how significant you are to God. Well, now we come to the change I want to make. The Lord Jesus. Oh, how we could spend the time on this, but this is, the, this is that theological truth that is so significant for us as we think about being saved. Jesus has come... He came to this world to redeem sinners who are condemned by the law of God. The law of God points to us and says, you're a sinner. The law of God says you have broken the law. And if you've broken any one part, you're guilty of it all. The law says you're condemned. 
The law says you will be judged. The law is harsh, but it's holy. Look at this. John speaks of it two times. 1 John 2, 2. He Himself is, that is the Lord Jesus, is the propitiation, that's that big word, for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. The Lord Jesus in His death made the payment. He provided the way that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. It's settled. There's no need for repeated uh, sacrifices in order for people to be saved. He is the final sacrifice. 1 John 4.10, in, in this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son. Please notice, why did He send the Lord Jesus? He is the one who is the propitiation for our sins. Now, what does the word mean? Now, we could spend a lot of time in this in detail. I'll just give you, propitiation means the appeasing, to appease, or a better word, to satisfy. You see, the demand of the law was righteousness. We have no righteousness. The Lord Jesus had to die as the perfectly righteous one to satisfy the demands of the law and to turn away the wrath of God. This is such a significant thing. He is our propitiation. He is the sacrifice that appeases the wrath of God and fulfills the demands of the law. I forgot to put that on your note. You're redeemed tonight. There's no more need for you to have to work to get saved. Aren't you glad of that? Sometimes I talk to people, you know, and they're trying so hard to be saved. It's like, why are you trying so hard to be saved? You can never save yourself. You know, well, as, as the man said to me not long ago, you know, he, he found out I was a preacher. We had some, anyway, his thing was, well, you know, I'm just trying to be good as best I can be, and hopefully I'll get to that, that place upstairs, sir. You can't work to get to that place upstairs. You can't be good enough because we're all bad. We all need someone to die for us so we can have life. You know, you know but my point is the Lord Jesus. Let's exalt Him tonight. He is our propitiation. He has come to redeem sinners from the bondage of sin. Luke 4.18, what did the Lord say? From Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the captives. Release to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. And to set free those who are oppressed. When someone comes to know Jesus Christ, they're set free. They're delivered. They're redeemed. They have a new name. They belong to God. There's no need to live in fear. Jesus came in His death and He, in His redemption, He delivered us from the fear of death. Uh, recently, you know, you, you all have had the same experience. So there are people you've worked with or there are people you've known well and they die and you think to yourself after a few weeks or months, it's as if they were never alive. It's as if they never existed. And people begin then to be troubled about death. And the devil takes that fear of death. He's not... You know, sometimes we read this as if the devil's got some kind of power to produce this fear. No, it is that he, he uses our fear, man's fear of death against us. And that's why Hebrews tells us, Therefore, since the children share in the flesh and blood, he himself, the Lord Jesus, partook of the same flesh and blood, that through death 
he might render powerless. That's a great word. He might render powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. It's not the power to kill. God is the one who sets our days. But the devil uses death coming as an occasion to produce and cause people to fear. That he might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. You know, when we see people in their uh, troubled condition, actually what it is, they're afraid to die. They're doing everything they can not to die. But they're going to die. We're all going to die. Unless Jesus comes again gloriously and we're transformed, but death will still come for some because there is a second death, isn't there? There is a second death. So the Lord Jesus comes to redeem us from the fear of death. The greatest of all fears is the fear of death. I cannot describe to you uh, how do you take, uh, how can I take the experiences of my ministry and talk to you about the ways people behave when they're afraid to die. Uh, when you go to deal with them, when it's the funeral of a loved one. When, it's, uh, when they think about their own death because they've been told that they have some kind of cancer or some kind of sickness. I've told you before, you know, Pat and I, when, we, when I go to the oncologist and do my cancer thing, uh, we, it's such a sad place because there they all are uh, waiting to go see the doctor so the doctor can tell them whether they've got uh, any more problems or what it is and they're frail and they're they're sick and they're it, it's it's the place where people go talk to the doctor about death the fear of death people don't want to do anything deal with any of that but you see the Lord Jesus died and rose again to give us victory over death and even, may I say it? Even if you die, which you will, you live. That's what the Lord Jesus said, did He not? Look, we have endless life if we're saved. We have endless life. You know, sometimes people, I'm, not, I'm, I'm chasing this rabbit because some of you I think need to hear this. So, you know, we were starting through all this cancer mess. You know, it was interesting, you know, Pat and I would say things and I would explain, you know, my confidence that I have endless life. And it was, you know, funny because some of these people would look at me like, you know, he really is delusional. He's a kook. He's nuts. But I'm not. Nor are you if you're saved. Because even if you die, you live. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. It's eternal. And you know, the funny thing, you know, somebody will say, I'm really sorry you have cancer. You could die. And I always say, and so will you. It's like, are you, you think you're exempt? It's interesting. So Pat always tells me to be nice to the doctor when I go, and I try. I'm trying to be nice. Dr. Greco and I. I pray for him all the time. My Italian Catholic oncologist. He's a good man. He doesn't quite know what to do 
because he knows it's a preacher, a Baptist preacher. It's like, uh, what's he going to say to me today? Boo! That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Redeemed sinners by God's grace become children of God. Aren't you glad you're a child of God? I mean, truly, aren't you? I gave you not First John. You know, we all know. You know, we know First John. Behold, what manner of love the fathers get by. I gave, I gave you Paul. Look, this Galatians passage, and I'm just, I, I'm, I'm watching my time. This Galatians passage, look, is so rich. Just look at it for a minute. Just look, you're my friends. We all are here, and we know the word of God. Let's just take it through again. When the fullness of time, time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. To do what? So that He might redeem those, those who were under the law. Now wait a minute, did you catch this? 1 John 4.10 In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be, it's the same point, the propitiation. Paul and John are talking about the most significant, when the Lord Jesus was sent here, He was sent here to be the propitiation. He was sent here to be the Redeemer that we might receive. Notice, we re, to redeem those who are under the law, that's all of us, that we might receive, look at this, the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. It is such a rich passage. Because I am redeemed... I am now adopted into the family of God. I am now called a child of God. The Lord Jesus is my brother. What Did you hear me? He is not only our Lord and our Savior, He's our brother. He is our kinsman redeemer, if you know some of those Old Testament words from Job. He is the one who has redeemed us. Redemption, here's my point, redemption is at the foundation of being saved. It is the most critical, perhaps, of all the words that describe salvation. Redemption. Redemption is crucial for us to embrace because it'll change your, it'll set you free. When you're redeemed, you belong to God. And you'll always belong to Him. And so we cry, Abba, Father. And redeemed sinners love God. I love the way the Lord Jesus said it when He was talking about God's mind, M-I-N-E, and His mind, M-I-N-E. What's mine? What's mine? What's God's? Well, God said to Israel, you are mine. Look at this. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me. Notice that. Listen now. Oh, how wonderfully sacred this prayer of the Lord is that we even have it to read. The Lord Jesus is saying to God the Father, for they are yours. He's talking about believers. Us. We belong to God. They are yours and all that are mine are yours. And look at this. And yours are mine. I have glorified them. Song of Songs is a wonderful... It's the Song of Songs because it is a book highlighting the beauty of marriage. Uh, it is the Song of Songs. When a man and a woman uh, leave their father and mother and are joined together. Song of Songs is beautiful. It is, it is absolutely incredible. But 
It also is that uh, phrase or two in there that we know also, you know, so what do a husband and wife say to one another? When you when have a good marriage, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. I am his, he is mine. I am hers, she is mine. That mutual relationship. I belong, so we get married, for better, for worse, rich or poor, in sickness and health, for as long as we both live. That's the standard of God, though it's not always fulfilled. I, am, I belong to one person for life, and we belong to the Lord forever. Now, how about that? So tonight, when you wonder, God, where are you? He says, I'm right here. You belong to me. I know everything that's going on. Don't give me, don't, don't pray and like say, Lord, I just thought I'd give you an update. And he already knows. <laughs> don't pray giving God updates. That's not good praying. Lord, I thought I'd just tell you this was good. Did you know? Of course he knows. Perhaps it's better to say, Heavenly Father, I do not fear, for I know You have redeemed me and You have called me by Your name and You are Mine. Maybe that's the way we ought to pray, right? Amen. And so I will not fear. And then we say, as You said to Israel, we say, Lord, when we pass through the waters, You're with us. When we go through the rivers, they won't overflow us. When we walk through the fire, we won't be scorched. Nor will the flame burn you. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You for sending the Lord Jesus for the purpose of redeeming us. Now we are called Your children we have the glorious eternal adoption into the family of God and we are not our own. We've been bought with a price. So now we glorify You all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.